Welcome back to American Graffiti, one song at a time. I'm your DJ, Doris, and today my guest is Jamie. Hey, Jamie. Hi, Doris. Jamie, you're also known in the podcast world as Jamie the Archaeologist. <laughs> yes. That's no longer quite accurate, is it? No. Well, I still am involved with some archaeology stuff, but I'm not doing it professionally anymore. You moved on to do something that gives you more pleasure, I suppose. I would say I moved on to do something that gives me more money. <laughs> more money. Okay. Which but is a huge part of, 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 of pleasure. <laughs> Archaeology doesn't really pay, neither in movies nor in real life. No, unless, I mean, you're stealing artifacts, which is not something I would recommend. And destroying uh, artifacts in the process. Right, right. <laughs> like we've watched our, fam um, our favorite movie archaeologist, oh god, I can't talk today, <laughs> do so many times. Exactly. But we're not here to talk about archaeology, although said person yeah. playing that archaeologist is in our scene today. Yes. We're talking about scene 14 of American Graffiti. The song is The Great Imposter, nice title, by the <laughs> Fleetwoods. So, any thoughts about the song, which is mostly on in the background of this scene? Yeah. I had never heard this song outside of this movie. It went to number 30 in the chart, so it was not their biggest hit. Yeah, I was just reading about the Fleetwoods before we started recording, actually. Doesn't seem like they were a too long-lasting band. Well, in, in, in different formations, they toured into the 1980s, so... Oh, wow. But I, I guess the last chart hit was in the late 60s. So they were already past their prime in 61. So when the song that we're talking about came out and the time the movie is set. And do you think that the song... Are we supposed to be taking something from the title of the song? Like, is this directed at a character? We can. I think <laughs> I think it fits this, this minute very well. Yeah. We have different imposters in that scene. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, of course, the, the scene starts out with uh, John and Carol, because John is being pulled over by Halstein, the cop. And, of course, uh, John has been playing the cool guy all night. Right. And he's not that cool in that scene, so he's kind no. of being an imposter, and he's actually being called out by Carol for it. <laughs> Carol's so delightful. I love her. I used to think of her as an annoying teenager, but I'm rapidly changing my mind about her. Yeah. She has a good head on her shoulders. She does. John is very, very deferential towards the police officer, who is only slightly older than he himself is. And the interesting thing about this, this part of the scene is that George Lucas says that this conversation is one that he actually had with cops during his own teenage driver days. Oh, that's funny. They were always kind of out to get him, I suppose. And, and the Holstein is, of course, out to get John. Do we know what kind of car George Lucas drove? He drove uh, a Fiat, I think, which oh, is okay. unusual. Yeah. A small European car, but probably um, very tuned up. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's funny. My first car was a Fiat. My first car was a Spanish car, a Seat, ah. which was an exact copy of a Fiat. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I had the, the Spanish copycat of an Italian car. <laughs> I didn't even know those existed. Was it fun? It was fun. It, it was a small rickety car. It, it didn't cost too much money, even if bought new. I think I had it for hmm, six years. 
Then it fell apart. That was literally it a fell similar apart. story to my Fiat. Yeah. <laughs> Very fun to drive, especially I, I live in a place with lots of mountains. and It was really fun to drive in the mountains. But toward the end of its life, it became a money pit. It seemed like every month some new thing went wrong with it. Yeah, it, it would have been a money pit if I didn't get rid of it. <laughs> I could literally count that if I was driving on, on, on the Autobahn for more than an hour, I could count on it kind of heating up and, and the, the motor <laughs> blowing steam. So, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. John's car is not going to blow up, no. although uh, Holstein is trying to find something wrong with it. So he's citing him for um, a faulty light above the license plate, I think. Yeah. Is that front end hanging too low? No, it's all regulation. <laughs> yeah, so I think, yeah, John is our first imposter in, in that scene. Yes. Interesting thing about the Fleetwoods, though, even though they weren't probably the most successful band, they were founded by high school seniors. Oh, wow. They started that band last year of high school by two girls, actually. And also that song is written by two women. That's cool. The song was written by Jackie the Shannon and Sharon Sheely, and the Fleetwoods were founded by Barbara Alice and Gretchen Christopher. Hmm. And the Fleetwood Exchange, the phone exchange, is the name of their band. But the only one, the only member of the band who made it into the Doo-Wop Hall of Fame is, of course, the male lead singer. Oh, come on. <laughs> yes. Classic. Hmm. Yeah, well, the song is about, of course, a girl who is falling for someone who charms her with poetry, sweet words, and everyone but her seems to know that he's not what he uh, supposed, what he's pretending to be. Which kind of is also true for the second imposter in the scene. <laughs> yep, Terry. Terry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Terry is cruising along in his um, borrowed car, and he's coming to a stop at a red light. And who do we have here? This is the first appearance of Harrison Ford in the movie, I think, right? Mm, he, we've just seen his car before. Yeah. Or Bob Falfa, as he's known. Bob Falfa, yeah. Terrible name. I always think of Alfalfa when I hear the yeah, name. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and his car with his girlfriend, the name of the character is Falfa's Girl. Doesn't have her own name. The actress is Deborah Lee Scott. Sadly, she's already passed. And her line, which she says twice, is, ain't he neat? <laughs> Everything she has to say, ain't he neat? Terry is trying to impress by revving his engine. That fails. Yep. Fofa's engine is way louder. And then, of course, he asks about John and um, calling Terry a dork. So he's being a real arrogant jerk in this scene. Mm-hmm. he's throughout the movie, of course. Yeah. He plays it very well. <laughs> He's the mysterious stranger who rolled into town. Mm, although I think his, the delivery of his lines is kind of strange here. At least it, it, it sounded so to me like, I ain't nobody, or <laughs> ain't, ain't not nobody dork. A little bit forced, but... I felt like that it contributed to his... Because he's also a bit of an imposter. And that line is like, just sounds so silly that I'm like, oh, that guy's not as cool as he think he's, thinks he is. His whole getup is silly. Yeah. I mean, that, that skull uh, dangling from, from the, win uh, from the uh, mirror, from the mm -hmm. rear mirror. Mm -hmm. <laughs> of course, he's always uh, putting everyone down. Yeah. Always dismissive of everyone else. Like, have you seen this guy in his piss yellow car? 
certainly not a character a character that is likable. Definitely not. No. Nothing redeeming about him. No. <laughs> and watching that scene, I of course had to think of the first scene where we meet Han Solo in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Haven't you heard of the Millennium Falcon, the <laughs> fastest ship in the galaxy? Kind of, kind of the same uh, level of bragging. <laughs> yep. That's funny. I didn't make that connection, but I like that. Bragging about his car. Bragging about his car. Well, at least it's not an RV with a dog. <laughs> like the Falcon is. <laughs> yeah, it actually is like a pretty cool car. Yeah. I mean, it sounds cool. I have, of course, no idea if that is really a cool car. Right. Because I go by looks only when it comes right. to cars. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it kind of surprised me to learn that George Lucas... The guy who looks like he does was someone who was like getting pulled over by the cops for driving his car too fast. <laughs> yeah, actually being a racer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we all know uh, George Lucas to be this rather shy person mm -hmm. in interviews, also kind of dorky with right. his uh, sneakers and his plaid shirts. And so more like the Kurt, which is, of course, an alternate persona in the movie. Yeah. yeah? Definitely author stand-in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he says, well, I was Terry in high school. After high school or in my, my senior uh, school years, I was John or pretended to be John. And then I was Kurt when I went to film school. <laughs> the only male character that has no um, kind of George Lucas connection is Steve. Mm, probably my least favorite character. <laughs> I don't like him either. Yeah. Yeah. He's a jerk as well. Yeah, he really is. I kept being like, Lori, you can do better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, everyone I've talked to so far, Steve is a jerk. Steve is an ass. <laughs> <laughs> and George Lucas didn't know how to write Steve and Lori, so he had someone else uh, write those scenes for him. Oh, interesting. I was just reading about the cars, actually. And apparently, so the car that... John is driving. Stop me if you've talked about this before. But it's this, like, 1932 Ford Coupe. Yeah, a, a deuce. Yep. Yeah. And then Harrison Ford, Bob Falfa, is driving this 1955 Chevy 150, which uh, the thing that I was reading said that Chevy had long been in the shadow of the Ford flathead V8's performance, but that changed forever with the introduction of the Chevy small block V8 in 55. So this car would actually have been, like, the one that showed up to beat John and his Ford. Ford showing up to beat Ford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, of course, I always found uh, John's car to be to be strange. And I mean, you, you see, of course, that it's, it's a 1930s model. Totally uh, souped up, of course. And of course, spoiler, in the end, Falfa probably would have beaten him. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, as John <laughs> says, he's stupid. So he makes mistakes yeah. driving and uh, he has an accident instead. Yeah. I grew up in an area that's like near a racetrack and you definitely still see cars like John's, like with the hood taken off and a different engine put on that body and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there's this this drag racing scene and those um custom cars and of course, what are they called that actually drive their cars to 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 uh smash them up? Oh, I don't know. Um, I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of the name. Yeah, I forgot it as well. A demolition derby? <laughs> yeah, something yes. like that, demolition derbies. Yeah. <laughs> of course, they, they just take regular cars, regular junkers, because right. they will be scrap metal by the right. end of that race. 
But it's interesting. The whole custom car scene. Mon- I mean, Monster Trucks is probably the, the most extreme version of it. That So the street that I live by, I live in Denver, which has like a big kind of Latinx car culture. And I live on this, or very near the street called Federal, which is the center of it. And every weekend night in the summer, the whole street is just like back to back, bumper to bumper cars, totally souped up cars, though nowadays, it's much more like trucks, like they're really into like Chevy trucks or Ford trucks that they've like dropped. And they'll have like, lots of them have like paintings on them, which is really cool. And there's like taco trucks everywhere. It's like a a very fun summer party scene. Mm. Something that is Totally not the case in my country. Yeah, yeah, I figured <laughs> Germany didn't have that. <laughs> there are people who kind of um, fiddle with their cars, but we have, of course, very strict technical uh, regulations, so not a lot is allowed. A lot of the cars that you see in, in, in the States, they, they wouldn't be allowed to drive here. Right. But, of course, there is the scene, but they usually meet outside of the cities, and they're called posers. Interesting. Yeah, car posers. And um, yeah, the cops are after them as well, because of course, they <laughs> tend to drive too fast. Right. They uh, tend to do races against each other. And they've been trying to crack down because interestingly, during this situation we're in right now, a lot of things have kind of come to a standstill. But something that has been recorded as as being going up is illegal car racing on the streets. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I guess it's pandemic safe. You're inside your car. Yes. And a lot of people are bored, obviously. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So that has risen in the land of, um, well, you could do it on the Autobahn because there are still strips. They are very few by now, but they still exist where there's no speed limit. But they tend to do it in um, within the city limits, which is, of course, dangerous. Yeah. I drove on the Autobahn once and it was terrifying. If you're not used to it, yeah, definitely. The left lane was going so fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, depending on which car uh, the people drive, they can be coming at you at a speed of 300k per hour. Yeah. Don't ask me how much that is in miles. I know 160k a is 100 miles. It's, it's a lot. Yeah, 200 <laughs> miles. So <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, I just remember the left lane was like a solid line of Mercedes and BMWs. Yeah. And then the right lane, which I was huddled in, was like every other car. (laughs) (laughs) Usually, yeah. Of course, most of these cars are uh, company-owned cars. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, but but it is still... As I said, it's uh, it's very limited by now. Most of the Autobahn has a speed limit. There is no general speed limit, and there are stretches of it where that doesn't exist. And of course, people kind of use that. I mean, there is not this year, but um, there are tourists coming for Ch- from China, for example, mm-hmm. that rent a Porsche and then go on the Autobahn and take that to the limit the car can do, and oh. then they fly home again. They do that. I can see why. I'm not comfortable driving anything faster than 150, <laughs> which is yeah. like 95 that, or something like in miles. Yeah, yeah, that's that's honestly pretty fast. <laughs> that is pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. On a totally different question, is this Harrison Ford's first film role or his first like credited film role? No, this is 72, 71. He has been doing. I mean. Even his very first film role as that page boy, I think he was credited. And then um, he did a couple of westerns. Okay. Explains the hat. The hat is actually because he didn't want to cut his hair. He had long hair, 
like early 70s long hair. And they asked him to cut it, like in the style that Terry has, or Steve. He said, no, hey, we're living in the 70s. I'm not cutting my hair for this one, uh, for this short little scene that I have in this movie. (laughs) Because I'm not going to get contemporary roles after that. Can I keep my hair, please? And he said, I'm going to wear a hat instead. (laughs) That's funny. So the man with the hat was born right there. (laughs) I noticed at the end, spoilers... He still has his hat, even though he's been in a car accident. Although the, um, I think it is the last kind of frame where he's scrambling out of the car and he's leaning against the car with his arm hurt or something. He doesn't wear the hat, mm. but um, it's not a close up. So you can see his hair is a little longer than the others. You just see him leaning against his car. All right. So three imposters in that scene. Probably the cop too, to be honest. He's probably a recent graduate uh, of that high school. <laughs> totally, he's totally putting up a show. Oh yeah. As in, look at me in my uniform. I'm so cool. I'm so mm. powerful. I'm gonna get you. Yeah. He's he's maybe what is he in his mid twenties? Yeah, he's young. What I notice about the uniform is that he's wearing a bow tie. Oh. Which kind of looks strange with a cop uniform, but maybe in the sixties, yeah, that was the way to go. Another kind of like anachronistic thing to me was that there would be regulations about the height of the front end of the car. Yeah, well, that doesn't actually, doesn't sound strange to me at all. Germany, (laughs) technical regulations for everything. Makes sense. Your real light has to have this form. It has to, it doesn't, it has to be round. It doesn't, uh, you're not allowed to put exchanges with another real light and, and stuff. Yeah, doesn't strange to me at all. (laughs) So I never noticed that. Whereas, of course, you noticed that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I could see that being the case in... Because this movie is supposed to be in the set in, like, 1961 or something like that. 62. 62. So I could see that being the case then. Definitely not the case today. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Actually, I'm not interested in all at modern cars. So I like those vintage cars because I think they look cool. Yeah. But the technical details, I'm so not into that. Fair enough. Why am I doing this podcast, I wonder? (laughs) Which relies so much on cars. Right. Yeah, well. Hmm. It's got got a lot of things going on, though. It's got the music. There's many elements to the story. Probably for me, the music is is the main part that I really liked it. Of course, I only found it because of Harrison Ford. Because I'd known his other movies before that, only ever watched it in like the mid-80s. I watched it because of George Lucas, so... I couldn't have watched it before because I was merely a year old when this movie came out. (laughs) I was not born when this movie came out. But I did... I watched it in my teenage years with my parents because that's how, you know, we had one TV, so... (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. One TV, three stations. Yep. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I definitely watched it because I love Star Wars and wanted to watch other George Lucas things. Mm-hmm. I watched it because I loved Star Wars and wanted to watch other Harrison Ford stuff. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, although um, I caught it on my old black and white television set, probably 84, 85, which gave it a totally um, very nostalgic oh, yeah. uh, feel. Yeah, for me, it's definitely the music as the star of the film. I was thinking about the music last night when I was watching it again, mm-hmm. and... I don't. I assume it was easier to license music for films when this was made because there are so many hits that like 
this movie would be so expensive just to get the music licensing for today. I mean, he used like 10% of the budget is just for licensing the music. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. And it's also the reason why there's no Elvis in it, because that would have been too expensive. And oh. George Lucas insisted on the original, on the radio versions that would have been heard at the time, and not something that kind of a remake that would have been cheaper. So he wanted the originals, and he yeah. kind of used a lot of money, yeah, <laughs> for everything else. Ten percent of the budget, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the music is the most expensive part, so. Yeah. This is also why they had such a restricted shooting schedule and, and couldn't do so many retakes because the money budget was really tight. Making that thing for just $700,000. Wow. So. I guess it uh, made it back. I think he did, he did well. He did yeah. well. And it's so different from all his other movies. Have you seen THX 1138? I have, yeah. I feel like this is a bit of a connect or a stretch, but the police being terrible <laughs> is a theme. <laughs> In THX 1138 and also in this movie. Yeah. And since, of course, we can't prove it's true, but since George Lucas said that uh, his encounters with the police were actually word for word what is in the movie, he's probably not very fond of the police when he was young. Yeah. And um, we see John kind of being very, very um, different as soon as he's being pulled over. Yeah, that's why Carol remarks, you're a regular JD there. Mm -hmm. So, ah, you're not as cool as I thought you were. You're not James <laughs> Dean. <laughs> but, of course, when you have an encounter, when you're being pulled over with the police, you better be careful. Maybe it wasn't as dangerous in the 60s as it might have been now when you're being pulled over. Right. Maybe in the wrong part of town. It's not in this minute, but I love the scene with uh, Kurt and the pharaohs where they hook the cables in the policeman's back axle. The Keystone Cop moment. Yes. <laughs> when they, they look out of the rear window when their wheels are gone. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Halstein is a pretentious jerk as well. Mm -hmm. So many men in this movie are pretentious jerks. Yes. <sighs> also, the gender politics of the movie have not aged particularly well. <laughs> no, no. But I believe, of course, it must have been like that in the 60s, if not yeah. worse. I agree. I mean, this this is why I like Carol so much, because she kind of doesn't put up with it, even from a guy who's like 10 years older than she is. Yeah. And she also kind of gives uh, Falva, like, he, she talks back to him, and he kind of pulls back in, in, in another scene. And yes. What did this little girl just say? Yes. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> so, she's not impressed by the guys. No. So, Jamie, you said you watched it because you were curious about the other stuff that Lucas had done. Mm -hmm. And you watched it with your parents? I did, yep. <laughs> so, what did your parents think of it? Well, I mean, my parents are around the same age as George Lucas, I would guess. My mom was born in 1949, my dad was born in 1950, so maybe they're a little younger. But they loved it. They thought it was just like when they were in high school or teenage years, that kind of thing. They knew all the songs. <laughs> so it hit the, the right nostalgic buttons for them. Yeah, they, they yeah. are big fans of this movie. Which is, of course, strange because my parents, who are the exact same age as the people in this film, they had a totally different uh, experience when they were young, of course. I mean, totally different country, totally, totally different culture. Right. They don't even relate to the music. Aww. Because I seem to have the most square parents 
ever who didn't listen to that kind of music That's funny. when they were teenagers. My dad's older brother was the like, so my dad grew up in a pretty small town in Arizona and his older brother, who was pretty close to his age, I think he's two years older than my dad. He was like the DJ of the student radio station. He was the first person who like played the Beatles in this town and just generally was like a cool music guy. Yeah, so actually avant-garde because yeah. of course the the British wave, the the beat influx from from Britain. I mean, '62 is is basically the end of of the old American doo-wop uh, rock and roll era, and then the Brits come in. Yep, and the music changes totally. Absolutely, and also of course then with Vietnam going on and and stuff, uh, the culture changes. Of yeah. course, by the end of the '60s, none of that is is no is there anymore yeah i mean it's it's strange that even from 1972 when that movie came into theaters it's just 10 years after the movie is set and it feels like a different era yeah that's a great point and that's like such an inflection point in american history and world history for that matter mm, yeah well jamie any final thoughts on, on on this scene or on american graffiti in general I think the movie holds up. I still think it's really entertaining. I don't watch a lot of older movies. Maybe that's my bias. Maybe I should. But um, this one still feels like it's fun to watch. I have to be in the right mood to rewatch it, though. Like what kind of mood? Feeling nostalgic for a time mm -hmm. I never experienced. <laughs> or at least I want to listen to some good doo-wop and rock and roll music for a change. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've always had like a big interest in the radio. Um, and the history Ooh, of radio, yeah. so I really enjoyed that aspect of it, and like the Wolfman Jack stuff. Yeah, there's there's no Wolfman in this scene, but no. that is also something that I really like about this movie, that it is just, the music is never just there, it is always the radio show that you're listening to. Yeah. That added feeling of reality that is added through hearing uh, the commercials in between, and the station uh, caller, and of course the Wolfman howling. Right. It would have been pretty funny if Star Wars had incorporated like a similar space radio station during scenes in the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Holonet News! <laughs> <laughs> it has like a Bantha sound or something. And here's the news from Tatooine. <laughs> Your boss Jabba is looking for this bloke who still owes him money. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, Jamie, you're not just an archaeologist. Nope. <laughs> You're also a podcaster. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people find you if they want to listen to you talking about different stuff? Yeah. So I am working on a podcast that's about the Studio Ghibli movies with Neil of Mogwai Minute fame, which some people who listen to this might know, but we haven't yet released it, but it will be released soon. It's called Science and Magic, the movies of Studio Ghibli. And I have to say... Plug, plug, I'm on one of the episodes. <laughs> and yes, Doris is on one of the episodes. And uh, yeah, I'm also on a music podcast. Well, it's about music and books. It's called Radio Clash Revival. And that is available on any podcasting outlet you might want. So your connection to radio shines through. Yeah, it's that show is a revival of Radio Clash, which was my student radio show. Great. And can they find you anywhere else? On the web? Oh, I'm around. <laughs> <laughs> the usual uh, suspects, yeah, the, the usual social media channels. All right. Well, if anyone out there wants to talk with us on Facebook about American Graffiti, 
come join us at Mel's Listener Drive-In. That's our group. And on Twitter and Instagram, you can find us under VCR Privileges. Also very nostalgic. So come and join us there. Talk about the movie. And I'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Jamie. He's really fast, isn't he?